Yo and hello. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. And we're wondering. Do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? I hope you do by now. If you don't, that's weird. You should get that checked. Why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> are you here? <laughs> like, not to be mean, but like, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't want to say you can't sit with us, but like, you should at least do some research first. How did you even find us if you don't know? We're so niche. How did you find me? <laughs> So this week we're looking at season two, episode two, A Class, A Grade, A Lifetime, which is a title I remember very well. I remember I remember this episode very well. Um, this first aired August 27th, 2004. It was written by Brent Piaskowski and directed by Chris Deacon. So we've got some guest stars in this episode, including the first appearance of Parker. Parker! Parker, Parker, Parker. Parker. So uh, Parker is played by Victoria Nestorovich. Uh, who is from Lethbridge, Alberta. Lethbridge. She she did a bunch of kind of community theater throughout her life and then ended up actually um, pursuing musical theater at Sheridan out in Ontario. So she did. She spent some time in the Toronto art scene and has moved around to a couple of places. She then moved to Vancouver, kind of still pursuing acting and pursuing her art scene, but then ended up um, moving to India for a few years to kind of clear her mind after having you know, kind of kind of neg- negative experiences with the stress of kind of acting and, and that whole pursuit. So she, she moved to India where she met her husband and then eventually moved back to Lethbridge to raise her son. I actually found um, an, an kind of interesting interview with her where she talks a little bit about her experiences and kind of her journey. And she talks about Lethbridge specifically. And I really like this one quote that she has. I certainly haven't been through the entire world, but I love climbing down the coolies to sit near the high-level train bridge and throw rocks into the Old Man River with my son under the cotton candy sunset skies of Lethbridge. Aww. Which is just, is just so cute. And, you know, it's... Lethbridge is a place that Sammy and I visited a lot growing up because yeah. we, we had family out there. We were raised in Alberta. So it's... And it's, you know, not something you ever hear people talk about. So it's just, it's nice to hear some some cute Lethbridge content. So uh, she's now an education assistant in a kindergarten class. Hi. And she has uh, a YouTube channel where she's posted a couple of videos, um, some from this year, kind of during quarantine, really? of her posting covers or posting kind of songs for, for kids in these classes that she provides, provides support for. So there's a video of her, like, showing how to make a DIY kazoo. And there's videos of her just kind of singing songs for kids. And they're really, really sweet. Parker so, Haynes, you guys. Yeah, Parker Haynes. Uh, such a great character. And I'm so happy that we're finally in the, the Parker era. Yes. As sad as we are to, to leave the Audrey era, yeah. the, the entrance of, of Parker is super, super exciting. Yes. And then also in this episode, we've got Paula Galperin as Jordan. Um, this is her only credit on IMDb. Um, didn't seem to do a ton of acting outside of the show. I believe she works for Urban Outfitters now, according to a, a possible... Based off of a random LinkedIn that you found. Yeah, it looks like it's her. Okay. But yeah, she's a, she works in Philly now. Audrey, wait, stop, can we talk? We have nothing to talk about, really. So we started off the episode on, on a downer note of Lily trying to get Audrey to talk to her again, and Audrey straight up refusing and, you know, just being like, well, if you want to talk i'm sure travis would be willing to listen and it's uh it is frosty it's not looking looking like there's going to be any reconciliation there um but kind of on on the flip of that we've got ray having a really good day because he just talked to river pierce 
Oh boy. So we don't get to meet River Pierce in this episode, but we get our, our first mention of him, uh, kind of the, the school heartthrob for, for everybody. River Pierce is, what's the phrase that means cool, hot, mysterious, and dangerous? Oh yeah, River Pierce. And I guess he helped Ray open his locker. <laughs> Ray, Ray's having trouble opening his locker, so River, by Ray's accounts, just kind of shows up and kicks it. <laughs> And like slams it and then it opens. <laughs> this guy's so cool. He's like so he just cool. walked up and kicked my locker. We definitely had a kind of River Pierce type at my school, um, named Greg Grafter, and he was just the guy who was good at everything, good at drama, music, sports, and he was pretty cute. And I remember my best friend making a joke uh at the end of year drama awards that we should have like just like the greg rafter award for the person who was like overall the best at everything but yeah he was a nice guy i think he ended up going like pro in like luge or skeleton or something <laughs> sigh fred pump and iron <laughs> i i don't know that we had like a universal um heartthrob there were definitely i mean like i was a band nerd so there were like the people that everybody had crushes on within the band department but in terms of like the person who is good at everything. There was a guy that I went to school with named um, Blake Van Burlo, who <gasps> oh, got yeah. every single award, every awards night. And I remember, um, uh, you know, standing with him um, kind of in line during um, awards night. And just, we were just kind of starting up conversation. And he was like, well, how many did, did you get this year? That's that's great. That's so good. And I'm like, like you got fucking 11 <laughs> awards. <laughs> I don't want, he got like every single like main subject and a bunch of extracurriculars and a bunch of like added ones and probably one just for having a cool name. Like, <laughs> yes, I seem to remember like every too, single time. I seem to remember too, he kind of looked like the 1997 Disney's Hercules in terms of he like he had like this. <laughs> He had, like, these curls of hair. You know, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's hilarious. I've never had that thought before. I do remember that guy. Yeah, because his brother, like, he, there was another Van Burlo who also did well in the awards. Oh, there there were three Van Burlos. Blake, Brock, and Bennett. Oh, my God. What, what, a, what a band of brothers. A brand of Burlos. Burlo brand brothers. <laughs> You've heard of Brooks Brothers, but have you heard of Burlo Brothers? <laughs> so the group kind of ribs on Ray for like, you know, him being kind of starstruck by this guy breaking down his locker. And he says, oh, very funny, you guys. And they kind of laugh at him and uh, walk away. Trust, we got to talk and it's really important. Let me guess. River Pierce uses bare hands and brute force to pry open your three ring bind. In the next scene, Travis is walking down the hallway and Ray runs to catch up with him. And uh, he says, we have to we have to go over our mano y mano showdown about Lily. And he's written out these rules that he and Travis both have to follow if they're going to, like, make this, like, a clean game or whatever. And they're really stupid. <laughs> yeah, that, like, the second one especially is, like, it, you got to notify uh, the other person if you're going to be wearing a new shirt. <laughs> and Travis kind of looks at him like, what the hell? And Ray's like, you can't have competing shirts. I kind of I kind of love that because we've seen in other episodes that Ray kind of cares about his fashion a little bit. And also... Gotta wear that sweet shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Travis just wears like the same assortment of button-down pop collar, like like giant collar polos. I don't think he's debuting any new styles anytime soon. 
Well, I, I will say in the last episode, he was wearing like one of those like mustard colored polos with like gray checkered pants. Oh, that's true. He's really not looking for any coordination here. No. But yeah, um, Travis stirred up refuses and we get Ray kind of fighting back on it as he's trying to, to really um, limit Travis's advantages in this, you know, quote unquote fight for Lily. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think the overthinking is going to do him any favors. We get a sad little scene where Lily's opening her locker and she finds a friendship bracelet from her and Audrey being best friends. And she's sad and, and Robbie's trying to counsel her being like, you never know what a good friendship can uh, can survive. And she's like, it's going to take a lot to survive this. And she kind of puts the friendship bracelet away. Hey, that better be your biology paper you're working on and not your own list, Strong. We go over to uh, the station where Travis is hanging out in his booth. Um, and it looks like he's writing a list of his own. So uh, Ray walks in and, um, you know, Travis hands it over and they they look it over together. And um, to counter Ray being like, you can't quote the Buddha, you know, Travis is like, well, you can't talk about childhood memories to, to get, you know, Lily to like you. And then they get into like this this fighting match of them writing like just just stupid things into their, their list. No name calling. Even if it is at a second grade level. No Travis, ever! (laughs) (laughs) No Travis, ever! It really got ya. Robbie and Lily come in just as they're, like, fighting, and Lily's like, what's going on? And they're kind of like, oh, they're, like, being buddy-buddy, and they're like, oh, we're here to talk about second grade. Second grade, and he kind of like puts his arm around Travis and is like, good times, as if like they were like reminiscing about shared memories. Yeah. They definitely don't have. I, I wonder what a second grade Travis would look like. I know, right? Like we all know Travis was like infiltrating like, I don't know, secret services around the world when he was seven. Good times. Good, good times. times. But then we go to English class. Uh, with Miss Mitchell, we get another appearance of Miss Mitchell, and we see um, a very strange, um, tense English class where they're talking about Julius Caesar and kind of like the the theme of betrayal. And a very kind of bummed out looking Lily is just kind of sitting in class with her head in her hand, not really paying attention. And then she gets called on to, to answer a question. And before she can really answer it, Audrey jumps in. Friendship was used as a cover of sorts to blind Julius from the truth, you know, of the evil plots against him. Of course, in this case, it was unjust, as Julius was honorable and never kissed Brutus's girlfriend. And the entire class just kind of, you get all these shots of like all these teenagers being like, oh my gosh, she she said that. Wow. But then back of the class, we we get introduced to Parker, who's uh, just kind of looks around at everybody's reactions and then kind of like launches forward and grabs the, the front of her desk and does like this kind of like movie trailer kind of voiceover. Sometimes your best friend can turn into your worst enemy. William Shakespeare takes you back to a world of togas, daggers, and forbidden love in Julius Caesar. Lend me your lips. And, and does it kind of in, in this context and makes a big joke out of it, kind of drawing attention away. And Miss Mitchell's like, oh, that's great, Parker. And that would be a fun theme to do for your surprise oral assignment. Surprise, y'all all have to do a presentation <laughs> next class. So I'm going to pair you up. Surprise, surprise. Guess who Lily gets paired with? It's Audrey. Oh, no. Tensions are high. I like that Miss Mitchell is like, 
I'll pair the two that are clearly having a bit of an antagonistic relationship right now. Maybe maybe <laughs> it's a tactic. Maybe, maybe she's trying to do that wise teacher thing where you That's make friends. True. That's true. Miss Mitchell, you know, does like to think out of the box for her English classes. And also, like, this just adds to the mountain of of works of literature that these kids are continuing to study. Yeah. And cram into their brains among everything else. How about my house? Yeah. The place where you told me you kissed Travis. Good plan. Mickey's at eight. I don't know if it's just like me being a, a baby and like being like, that's so late that for a high schooler to meet up. But like to, to start your project at eight o'clock at a coffee shop where like, where are these kids' parents? Yeah. <laughs> Who's taking you home? Who's driving you here all the time? Yeah. It would be very much like, like, I don't know, thinking back, it would be like, okay, right after school, we're going to go somewhere, <laughs> like a library or your, your house. <laughs> Gotta call your parents and tell them where you're going to be, yeah. be and who's going to get you there and all that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Protective of these little teens. Was that your biology assignment? It was due today. Yeah. Mr. Lucan and I have a bit of an agreement uh, he gives me a couple extra days, and I don't complain when I get to see mines. So then, back at the station, we get uh, a shot of Ray, who's scribbling more and more. We can see that he's added more and created all of these sorts of annotations onto his list of things that Travis can't do. And Robbie comes in and is like, oh my god, <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> and he points out, like, how similar... Uh, the two of them are and Ray's like we're not similar any friendship we would have had is is like blown to pieces now and uh, you know Robbie's like you guys are more similar than you think like especially the way you're you're tackling this you both like to overthink things and Ray's like now <laughs> I did like one of the one of the new rules that Travis had laid out for Ray was pointing out that Lily is taller than me is <laughs> What was it? Mentioning that Lily is taller than I am will be Cassus Belli. What's he talking about? It means an act that justifies war. I, I love I love that they, they gotta throw that roast in there. Yeah. Just Travis being like, oh. <laughs> My friends are meeting me here in a half an hour, so let's do this. Half an hour is not enough time to do a report. <laughs> Let alone when you have to do with another person. <laughs> Let me just note here. Um, you need to manage your time. But... <laughs> Yeah, Audrey's, like, being really, really difficult about all of this. So, um, and Lily's just trying to kind of, uh, is kind of walking on eggshells around her, really. Um, and before they get started, Audrey's like, well, I, I have something for you. And pulls out her own friendship oh. bracelet. So we saw Lily find her friendship bracelet in, in the locker. And, and Audrey goes to give hers back. I'm just saying it'd be, it'd be too weird to throw it out. And Lily says, yeah, I, I feel the same way. And pulls out the one that she had in her locker and gives it over to Audrey. So sad. It's sad, but it's it's kind of the start of a, a reconciliation because it, it kind of gives them a moment where Lily can be like, you, you remember when we made these? And they can reminisce. And she actually gets Audrey to laugh for a second. And that kind of breaks the ice enough that Lily can be like, I'm so sorry, and I never meant to hurt you. And Audrey's like, well, you did hurt me. You chose Travis over me, Lily. I hated you. Hated? And Lily kind of jumps on that, and she's like, ooh, past tense. And Audrey's like... Yeah. And they both just dunk Travis. <laughs> yeah, they, they share a look and um, Audrey kind of holds out her um, friendship bracelet 
And Lily grabs it and puts it onto Audrey's wrist. And yeah, and then they just kind of roast Travis for a couple of minutes. Like, yeah, he of how, like, annoying he is. <laughs> and we get, like, a great scene transition where Audrey is doing her best Travis impression. And she starts a quote and then it cuts to Travis doing one of his quotes in their station. It's like Buddha once said, an insincere and evil friend is more to be feared than a wild beast. Where Robbie basically gets to have the the flip side of the interaction where he's telling Travis that he and Ray are very similar. Like, <laughs> my favorite part of that scene is like Robbie's leaving and he does this dramatic flip of his jacket over his shoulder being like, I'm so smart. <laughs> like, I know all my friends so well. <laughs> I get it. I get I'm it. Robbie. I'm Robbie. I fix all the problems. I'm Robbie and I'm not wondering because I know the answer <laughs> to everything. Sick dog. <laughs> Fucking wreck that 14 year old. <laughs> But that's the first half of the episode, so Lily and Audrey seem to have maybe made up, and we'll see what's going on with Ray and Travis's rules for one another. Eight simple rules for dating my friend that you're not allowed to date. <laughs> it's true. You back the first base, you the now it's time for a CanCon commercial break, and in today's CanCon commercial break, we're talking about In a Heartbeat. Every day the world goes by, I'm learning how to live my life, I'm waking up in a heartbeat is definitely one of those shows i remember seeing commercials for yeah uh, it's another one that i didn't watch but i remember seeing seeing the ads and being like this show looks like hella dramatic yeah um <laughs> it's a canadian american tv series inspired by real life emt squads whose staff consists of high school students uh based uh out of a unit in connecticut the series follows the lives of several teenagers who volunteer as part-time EMTs while going to school and trying to maintain their lives as normal teenagers. In Canada, the series aired on Family Channel, while in the U.S. it was aired on the Disney Channel. Um, which is how it got, it got, actually has quite a dedicated little following, as we'll, we'll get into. Um, and it was uh, produced by Alliance Atlantis Communications, which was a big media company here in Canada for a number of years. And it was distributed by them and Buena Vista, uh, which is one of the many Disney subsidiaries. So here's a synopsis from Wikipedia. The EMT squad is made up of Hank Beecham, played by Danso Gordon, who manages playing football with a high school team as well as being the EMT intermediate of the group. Val Lanier, played by Reagan Pasternak, who was noted for being an excellent student and cheerleader. Tyler Connell, Sean Ashmore, a football player and Hank's best friend. And Jamie Waite, Christopher Ralph, the newest member of the squad, initially there not by his own choice, but as a result of a new program to help troubled teens get their life together by becoming EMTs. Other characters in the series include Brooke Lanier, who's played by Lauren Collins, Val's 12-year-old sister who volunteers with the squad after school, and whose main job consists of managing the paperwork, and Katie Roth, Val's best friend, who is known for her dark clothes and purple streaked hair. So the cast, like the four main folks who make up the cast, Danzo Gordon, Reagan Pasternak, Sean Ashmore, and Christopher Ralph, have all kept acting to different extents, um, Reagan Pasternak actually provided, you know, the the various voices role that you see uh, popping up for different shows for both Sixteen and Delilah and Julius, which is kind of neat. She also uh, has appeared in Heartland, surprise, surprise. Uh, being Erica, she's also had small roles in Girl Meets World. 
Dancil Gordon has done some guest work here and there on the Kroll show and it's always Sunday in Philadelphia. He hasn't done anything super recently. Christopher Ralph is, uh, according to Wikipedia, perhaps best known for his role as Tobias in the 1998 TV series Animorphs. But Sean Ashmore has probably had the most high profile career because he was an X-Man. He was Iceman from the X-Men series. Oh, yeah, and he won an MTV Movie Award for Best Breakthrough Performance for Hell it in 2003. Yeah. Oh, yeah. prestige. Oh, and of course, he was the love interest in Cadet Kelly. Can't forget that. <gasps> Hell yeah. <laughs> you know I love a Cadet Kelly reference, and you know who yeah. else was in Cadet Kelly? Ray's dad. Yeah, that's right. Man, I love finding all the results of... It being cheaper to shoot in Canada. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the joys. So the show's pretty intense. Like, you know, it kind of navigates these teens' lives, but they also go on, like, super, like, real and dramatic EMT calls. This There's this one episode in particular called Friends Don't Let Friends, and it's about huffing. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's definitely got a bit of the special episode vibes, but treated in a very sort of earnest way. I was, um... Uh... I was working on these filaments for a sculpture and I thought that hairspray might make them stay put. You know, you, you want to be careful about how much of that stuff you use. It's on your breath. Yeah, I'm also putting holes in the ozone layer. Thanks for worrying. She didn't even close her locker. <laughs> no, she didn't even close her locker. And so he's able to see, like, she's got, like, tons of empty bottles in the bottom. Jesus. Yeah. So uh, Jamie, um, who's kind of like the troubled teen of the group, confronts his friend uh, who appears to be, like, huffing hairspray and paint and stuff. And it all comes to, like, it all becomes super real later in the episode. I don't know if it means anything, but I found this on the floor. I mean, she's been huffing. I should have done something. I told Katie I should have tried to stop her. Okay, Jamie, we need the heart monitor now. That's an IV, oral airway, and BVM standing by. Seven. She's crashing. Okay, you bag her, I'll start the IV. Come on, Gotta hang in there, please. Please. Okay, we need a cardio burn. Clear. They really did that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> But yeah, she turns out to be okay. But yeah, they go into like super intense medical procedures and these young teens just like run across their school Jesus. to like, save this young woman's life. And you know, in the other like parts of the show, like Val and Tyler seem to have this will they won't they thing and like Jamie's like a bad boy, but he's trying to become a good boy. And then like Hank has this like surgeon dad that he's trying to like get out of the shadow of so it's like this blending of teen drama with like serious medical scenes there's something it's about surgeon dad that makes me laugh <laughs> it's me surgeon dad um oh also this same episode like there's a parallel plot line where larry tudgeman from uh, the lizzie mcguire series shows up as like a hypochondriac yes keeps, like calling the emts yes great give me that tudgeman I loved uh, one of the YouTube comments of this episode from user Clip Observer was, I don't think Degrassi covered huffing. Then again, I'm up to six seasons of Degrassi. So they have, <laughs> I don't think they've gotten to the huffing season of Degrassi. There's a whole season dedicated. <laughs> yeah. 
the reception on the show is universally like it's pretty well loved it's got an 8.7 on tv.com it's got an 8.2 on imdb although i i was very disappointed to see imdb poster for the series has three of the main characters they cut out the the main character who's black oh (laughs) no get your shit together imdb uh here are some of the imdb reviews this is a great show from grantster 889 this is the show that started me on the path where I am today as a paramedic. Someone wrote that it's unrealistic at times. However, I believe this was more realistic when it came out than shows on TV today. Looking back on a few episodes, they did a great job at the realism. I hope Disney revisits the idea of making a new version of this TV show. Without it, I probably would not be in a job I love today. Two thumbs up. And there's a couple comments on YouTube that say the same thing. Like, this show inspired me to become an EMT. <laughs> like, I can see it. I can fully see it. Like, yeah, I'm I'm like you. This is one that I remember, like, really intense, like, trailers and, and like, promo spots for. But it wasn't one that I ever watched. And, I mean, like, even, even watching that scene, it seems like, you know, it's well enough put together and and the acting is good enough that it's like this this could just be an enjoyable watch now the way that rfr is yeah yeah like the acting's pretty solid and uh yeah i'll i might actually it only ran for like 20 episodes unfortunately Uh, they got rid of it after one season and uh, i have a couple more reviews here that displayed the consternation of fans including this review is titled i agree with all of you uh, by Michaela Wilson. You know what? Since I'm only 17, I like the other Disney shows like Sweet Life and stuff like that, but I really loved In a Heartbeat. OMG, I'm pretty sure that's the best show I've ever seen on that channel. But still, why? JK, but seriously, I freaking love that show. Like, I know they would get better ratings as if they weren't high enough. More of the older teens and maybe even more adults would watch Disney Channel. I mean, I doubt that they would bring it back now, but IDK, I loved that show. I don't think I ever missed an episode. Yeah, I know. I started watching dramas when I was like three. (laughs) But anyway, I do think it would help popularity. An intellectual. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then another review that was just like the rest of you, I ask, why? <laughs> By Zucker John 1530. I was trying to figure out why Disney canceled the show. At first, I thought maybe they didn't want any more Canadian produced shows. No offense, Canada. I love Montreal. <laughs> but that. <laughs> I'm only here for Montreal. That's it. But that didn't make sense. A bold take to only support Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't make sense. Ratings? Yeah, like, that's a factor. If Disney cancelled shows based on ratings, Dave the Barbarian would be gone by now. Rip. <laughs> uh, why, why are you roasting Dave the Barbarian yeah. like that? What the hell, man? Along with Lizzie McGuire. So I thought and thought. Then it hit me. This show is a drama. All the shows they have now are comedies. So maybe they didn't want to lose their target audience with Dawson's Creek type stuff. I know there are better dramas than DC, but I'm just trying to make a point. Yeah, like Clone High. <laughs> like Clone High. Let's face it, Disney's programming has gone downhill. After Jet Jackson and So Weird left, that was it. All the shows are crappy. Even the Proud Family is losing luster. Disney made a big mistake in canceling the show. At least this one had realism. They need better programming. <laughs> big mistake. Huge. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, most of the IMDb reviews are just like, 
shock and awe over the fact that Disney could cancel this show after 20 episodes because, yeah, it was really well loved. It even got um, the pilot because the pilot was presented as kind of like a longer movie. It was like, you know, an hour long pilot or 40 minutes plus commercials. And it got some reviews in the LA Times and Variety. So got some notoriety. And they also made the Dawson's Creek comparison because, of course, everything (laughs) was compared to Dawson's Creek in that time. I don't want to (laughs) wait. Um, but yeah, I couldn't find any fan sites or change.org petitions, but if you look through the reviews and the YouTube comments, there's a dedicated love for this show. In fact, uh, the YouTube channel where I found this, uh, where I found the episodes is from a channel called In a Heartbeat. And it's weird because they have like, they have the individual episodes, but they also have kind of what you were talking about with Clone High, where they'll be like, four nonstop in a heartbeat episodes or like four hours of in a heartbeat so they'll have like combined a bunch of them into like four hour videos even though they have them individually you you didn't have to do that i know (laughs) you we already got the content yeah that's in a heartbeat it's uh it's a neat kind of co-production with some cool canadian actors with some animorphs crossovers with uh sean ashmore was animorphs too so boy am i excited to get to animorphs but uh, it's cool, and it's it's kind of neat to see, you know, a very realistic, I mean, debatably realistic, but more realistic than others depiction of, like, this emergency services career and how it actually impacted people to choose that as their career, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, putting it in media that's, like, more accessible for for kids and showing, showing the stakes of it without it being, like, horrifying. 100%, yeah, and... You know, a lot of people can do like a lot of shows can do special episodes wrong, but like with this this one about huffing, they they treat it like seriously and earnestly and like as a life threatening thing. Uh, I do have a six degrees of RFR for this one, and it's actually just uh, one degree. Um, Lauren Collins plays Brooke, who's Val's little sister. She plays Blair in RFR for a couple episodes further down the line, so we haven't met her yet, but uh, we'll let you know when we do. Hey, Odd. You about done? Don't worry, Lil and I are cool now. The whole Travis thing's behind us, way behind us. It's like Like Buddha once said. (laughs) Billy and Audrey have made up, which is wonderful. They're laughing together, and Audrey says, You and I are just gonna be hanging out with hotties like Tim Brennan and River Pierce. They're like Ray's brother. Ray's brother? That's not weird at all. What a, what a weird yeah. choice. But yeah, Aud- Audrey's co- friends come in and they greet her by saying, hey, Odd. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think Odd is, is a good nickname. Hey, um, Re. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's just no good nickname for Audrey. It's a pretty name. Just keep yeah. it the way it is. Um, but they, they kind of give Lily a look and Audrey's like, it's cool. We're, we're friends now and we're so over everything. As the Buddha once said, and they're both like still like roasting Travis. And that's, that's their common thread right now. So her friends kind of shrug it off and go to sit down. And then they're like, oh my God, look at that girl. And we see Parker um, with headphones on kind of in the corner of Mickey's just kind of, kind of dancing to the music and having a great time. And um, they all start kind of making fun of her and Lily very uncomfortably plays along with it. And it's, oh no, it's a bad time. So even though Audrey and Lily have made up, it's it's become clear that Audrey's become a bit of a no, mean girl. No, it's so sad. I want her to be it's this sensitive sci-fi artist. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> this is bullshit. She was so cool. She was so cool. 
why you gotta be mean? Why does she have to have all these fakey friends who call her odd and laugh at cool Parker? Yeah, so it's it's a bummer. I don't need to sit at some table to be cool. You know, some people have compared me to James Dean. Oh, yes. They say, compared to James Dean, you're so not cool. <laughs> you are like the black hole of intelligence, right? I like to stick you in a black hole. So then we go to, to school the next day, and we just get more um, Ray and Travis banter um, with Robbie kind of stuck in the middle of it, as usual. It's like really... Really dumb insults back and forth. I, I will say something that we haven't really mentioned in this whole um, River Pierce scheme. Um, kind of early in, earlier in the episode, um, Ray, when he's like excitedly talking about all these interactions he has with River Pierce, he's like, You know what he said to me in the hall today? Hey, man. Which is so funny because if we think back to like episode <laughs> one or two, like very early on in the series, when he was just like roasting Travis for being weird, we, we yeah. had a bit of Ray being like, you know what he said to me? Hey, man. You don't say hey, man. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Just depends who's, depends who's saying it, I guess. River Pierce can probably say whatever he want and kick in as many lockers as he likes and Ray's like, cool. He's a cool guy. Ray, Ray's a man of many double standards. Robbie's just looking on being like, oh, my two goofy friends. I know they really love each other. <laughs> yeah, there's there's very few pot, plot lines like within this group right now that actually involve Robbie. <laughs> it's just yeah. kind of him like trying to like chime in around the, the, the other three. It's um, true. We need some lately. good Robbie episodes. Yeah. But then we go to the English class where Lily and Audrey are doing their presentation. And Miss Mitchell has, like, decked out the place. There's <laughs> statues. There's artwork. There's a harp. There's, like, <laughs> just a full harp. Do you know how expensive harp. those things are? Why did you bring a harp in? Is anyone using it? Is it there for the aesthetic? I'm... <laughs> Why is this harp here? So Antony, who is Caesar's only true friend, would gain the trust of Brutus only to betray him to justify Julius's murder. But of course, none of this would have ever happened if Julius had not ignored his wife, Calpurnia. Man, why can't you guys just ever listen? <laughs> get Lily and Audrey doing their presentation. Um, we get kind of the, the tail end of it as we transition in, into the scene. And it goes well. They get, you know, the round of applause from, from the class. They, they get a few, like, little laughs at their kind of end joke. And it's all good. And then um, they go to sit down. Miss Mitchell calls up Parker and her partner. And Parker points out that her partner isn't there. She, she's sick that day. She's so cute. Um, she says, uh, my dog ate my partner. <laughs> I love her. She's adorable. I love it. Um, so Miss Mitchell's like, oh, well, it's, it's fine then. Um, we'll, we'll go to somebody else. And Parker's like, no, this is my moment. <laughs> and she, she carries up this whole big box of props and does what she calls Julius Caesar in two minutes and does this whole like one person show of explaining the, the story of Julius Caesar. And we get kind of this montage of the whole class laughing, including Lily, um, while she's trying to hide it because every time she laughs, she gets kind of these weird looks from Audrey and her kind of gang of girls because it's it's, it's cool okay to, to laugh, laugh at Parker at the at in other context, but not in this one. You can't can't be encouraging about it. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks so much. I bet the macaroni's more cheesy. The burgers are less greasy. There's more wonder in the bread. <laughs> the meat is never gritty. And the goulash never fatal. When you're sitting nice and pretty. 
at the cool table. Thank you, Shady. That was food for thought. Lily's kind of written a song about all of her her feelings in regards to, you know, all of these these mean people who think they're so cool. And it's it's about like it's this kind of ironic song about like sitting at the cool table and like how much better everything must be and how much better the food is if you're just sitting at the cool table. And uh, it's it's a great little song. I'm loving the the shady songs more and more. Oh, they're great. You can see you can see her really coming into her own with these songs. Ray is devastated over being rejected by River Pierce at the lunch table because it turns out he was just a dude who you know. River kicked in his locker one time and uh you know he, he points out to Travis like the closest you'll ever get to River Pierce is being shoved in a locker when Travis ribs him on it and Travis is like if it means I'd get away from you that'd be fine Robbie takes his this cue to jump in and opine about the nature of friendships I'm question mark and I'm wondering how many types of friendships are there the way I see it there's three a class a grade and a lifetime we, we get kind of shots of um, kind of our our characters that are going through these plots. So we see Ray realizing that River is just a friend for a class, that it was just a, a fleeting thing and didn't really have any meaning behind it. And as Robbie kind of talks about having a friend for a grade, we see Lily kind of considering that, you know, she she had thought that this would be a really long lasting friendship, but they've they've drifted apart and, and they're different people at this point. And then Robbie talks about having friends for a lifetime. And we get kind of shots of everybody and kind of this, you know, unbreakable connection that they all have. And it's nice. You get kind of a bit of a lingering shot on Travis, especially, you know, the fact that he's not someone who really has any, like, really tangible connections. So, like, for for him to have friends that he can consider friends for a lifetime is probably kind of a new thing for him. So it's... we. It's a sweet little nod that way. Yeah, a little Trav. But it, it sucks to see Lily in this emotional turmoil. And Robbie kind of narrates over the scene transition as we go to her kind of mulling things over in Mickey's. Hey, well, we're going to mall to buy stuff, to mess with food court workers, and how do you watch? Want to come with? So Lily's in Mickey's, and Audrey and her friends come up behind her and say, Hey, Lily, we're going to the mall. We're going to buy stuff and pick on food court workers. But then they randomly start picking on this, like, girl who's just, like, studying and wears glasses. So I guess that makes her a nerd. <laughs> and it just, it sucks. Like, they're all being so mean. And Lily just flat out says, I, I just don't think we're, um, friends anymore. Please, I already told you. I've forgotten all about Travis Strong. It's, um, it's more than that. We're not the same people anymore. And Audrey's like, well, you blew it, and and they go to leave, and you know, it's it's a bummer, but it's it's for the best. But another thing, when when they go to leave and they have their kind of dramatic storm out, um, one of Audrey's friends is like, come on, Audrey, this place is so last year. Like they don't even like Mickey's. <laughs> there is nothing but Mickey's, and apparently I'm that all... is the one standard in this entire yeah. town is that you gotta like Mickey's. Get this like sad look back. As, like, Audrey's leaving, she kind of looks back and lingers for a moment. And she leaves. Ugh. Goodbye, Audrey. Hey, I get it. You know, that River Pierce was just a class friend, nothing more. Class? I'm not even sure he was a fire drill friend. So then we, we go to the boys and we get kind of a, a wrap-up to this whole silly fit of Robbie. Once again, being like, you guys are the same. You like the same girl. You guys are cut from the same cloth. 
but you're also going to be friends forever, so just be nice to each other. And they're all like, what are you talking about? You, this is nothing. And Robin just kind of like says his piece and then coolly yeah. skateboards away. It's so like, yeah, I know what's going on. Just skate off. <laughs> it's, a, it's very meme worthy. Um, but then both the boys are like, so, so I was thinking that, you know, we, we just kind of drop these lists and, and we, we, you know, follow Lily our own way. And they kind of like say it at the same time and both pull out their lists at the same time. And it's, it's this kind of bit of them, you know, thinking the, the same way. So I don't know. We've got some fun Travis and Ray interactions, how productive they are in like their friendship. I don't know. But uh, it's it's a good bit, and it's a good bit of Robbie just being like fed up with the two of them. But then we to wrap up the episode, we go back to Mickey's, and we see um, Lily kind of contemplating the the friendship bracelet, and you know just just sitting alone and looking kind of sad. And Parker comes up and and sits and just kind of like plops down in the seat next to her, and she's like, "I want you to know I'm mad at you." At me? Why would I do? Your song was so awesome, it stuck in my head. It wasn't too bad until my mom told me to clean my room, and I said. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> okay, we'll tell you what. Next song I write will be called Sure Mom Right Away. You know, very quickly, just, you know, they just become click. friends. They just become friends in that instance. Yeah. And uh, Parker calls her Randy, short for Randall. She, she says she likes to give all of her friends nicknames. And then she, you know, reveals that she herself is a musician and that there's there's a band going to go play and she can get the two of them in. So she invites Lily along and Lily like very excited about Parker and, you know, having another girlfriend because she she's established, you know, the only friends that she has are, are really, you know, the, the core group that we see. Um, Audrey was kind of her, her one female friend. So she's really excited to go hang out with Parker, who's really cool and goofy and is someone who very much doesn't care about what other people think of her which is is such a kind of de- departure from, you know, what Lily was experiencing with Audrey and that kind of pressure to, to be something else. So it's it's great. I'm so happy to see Parker, and I'm so happy to see this friendship for Lily. Yeah, everyone needs a Parker Haynes in their lives. And, you know, it's funny. I actually relate to this whole situation so hard because when I started junior high school, I got pretty much ditched by the people who I thought were my friends in elementary school because they aspired to be kind of like the popular girls or what have you. And so, you know, they dressed a certain way and they were into different things. And, you know, I I ended up in a homeroom with a couple of them and I felt like, you know, they just started making fun of me and trying to ditch me and stuff. And I had a couple other folks in the homeroom who I had been sort of starting to get to know. And one day they just kind of said, don't worry about them. Like, we're your friends now. And we're still friends today. So it's it's sad when, you know, you and your friends can kind of outgrow each other or or change in that way. But you never know who you're going to end up, you know, welcoming into your heart instead. Yeah. Don't don't be friends on with people based on them being mean or based on trying to be mean. And that can kind of kind of sound like a childish oversimplification, but try to think of it in the context of, you know, if the things that you have in common with somebody are the things that you complain about, the things that you're angry over, 
maybe reevaluate that relationship because you know if if your only interactions with somebody are based on complaining or or kind of based in you know negative emotions if that's your common ground maybe that's not a really healthy relationship and maybe that's something that you are you know areas that you both individually need to work on you don't need that negative energy in your life yeah yeah so where you can foster relationships that you know bring positivity in and that yes you can you know have conversations about the negative things in life but that isn't your sole focus and you you aren't letting yourself or the other person that relationship kind of wallow and and stagnate and and just be in a very negative space you know always always be constructive in your relationships cool beans cool beans So popping over to Mickey's disc for this episode, according to RadioFurioscope4.trackpad.com, um, friends of the podcast that we have never met, <laughs> uh, songs in this episode include The Romance in Dying Young by Blue Pocket, Power Theme by The Front, Whatever by the Yoko Cassionos, Let Go of the Bad Days by The Saltines, and Whatever by the Yoko Cassionos. So uh, I did find a little page on the Yoko Cassionos from LiveVan.com, which is Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. Um, it's just a living van. Yep. <laughs> it's just Night Rider. It's Night Rider, but it's like a weird, shitty tour van. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like weed. It's a knockoff. <laughs> um it's it's funny. It's it's kind of a sad but funny page because it says the Yoko Cassionos are one of Vancouver's most cherished bands, opening gigs for local staples such as copyright and national indie icons like the Flashing Lights have won them a cult-like following of fiercely loyal and dependable fans. Their music is accessible but holds a sway of artistic integrity not associated with bands that have potential mainstream capabilities. With every show in Vancouver filled to capacity and a healthy buzz around whatever they happen to be doing at any given time, the Cassionos are currently recording tracks for an upcoming release. Status broken up, last confirmed April 23rd, 2014. Oh. <laughs> I, I do like in this context being able to, to use the term local staples, because usually you, you apply that to, you know, more um, itemized things. But if you talk about it in the context of like, venues but <laughs> it just sounds like they're performing in like staples like <laughs> the office store yes oh my goodness the print shop is like going they're trying to like play over the printers like, no oh. it'd be like um it'd be like nathan for you when uh they're trying to pass off the the smoke detectors as an instrument you're just using printers only yeah it's printers and it's like squeaky um chair wheels and it's drawers being pulled in and out. It's like stomp, but it's set in an office, and that office exists within a <laughs> So that does it for us this week. If you're not already, you can follow us on social media. You can find us at Podcast Free Roscoe on Facebook and Instagram, or Pod Free Roscoe on Twitter. You can also send us an email at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com. So for now, this is Podcast Free Roscoe signing off. <laughs> <laughs>